and that's not sustainable. You need to invest in the existing audience you have. You need to make it a community because then they will, by word of mouth, as is evident by your introduction of me, share it with their friends and family. And then you will get a much more stronger recommendation when it's via word of mouth. When you have your own business, it's very interesting to see that the people around you who are supporting you from your very first launch versus the people who are supporting you once you're established, once you've, you know, able to, to gift them free bottles and whatnot. Um, and that that is very, very eye-opening as an influence, as a as an entrepreneur. Listen, you need to like future-proof your business. And obviously, not only is it right for the world, but like it's right for our consumers to do things that are sustainable. That's something that is a growing, growing interest of like the modern day consumer. Hello, welcome to another episode of Inspire Pod with myself, Karam Kang. We bring you the best interviews with leading entrepreneurs and business people within their field. Today, I'm excited to be speaking to a leading influencer who has recently launched her own luxury hair care business. She left University of Manchester in 2017, having studied international management with American Business Studies and received a first class degree, during which she was building her own online following through Instagram. After graduating and taking eight months to secure a new role, she began building upon her own platform by collaborating with leading brands and growing as a social media influencer, particularly within the fashion sector with a following of over 200,000 people on Instagram. In early 2019, she then built upon her online presence and launched her own luxury hair care brand by Erim, which sold out within two hours of launch and hit six figures within its first six months. Today's guest is none other than Erim Kaur. Hey Erim, how are you doing? You okay? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling super pumped up after that intro. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. And uh, massive congratulations to you again for the great success you've already had in a recent um, startup. And just to say to my audience, and I know I mentioned this to you before, um, you know, we're really keen to get as much diversity on the show. And nearly every female I spoke to um, who follows this show and who we're close with uh, told us that we needed to get you on. Um, so really excited to have you and um, speak more about your journey, background, and uh, the great work you do with Bayerim. Thank you. Tell your sisters and your friends to invoice me and I'll pay them for that later. <laughs> <laughs> we will do. We'll follow up with that afterwards. Um, so I know I gave a very brief intro to you. Can you elaborate on that? Give a bit of a background to you and your journey of how you got to buy Erin? Yeah, for sure. So I, um, growing up, didn't have a mum, was very much kind of obsessed with the concept of like having long hair just like she did. Um, I'll give you the Spark Notes version of the story because I'm sure most people have heard it by now, including yourself. But I um, was working with my grandma in the kitchen, just creating different formulas. And eventually we did stumble upon the hair oil that is now inside the Bayerim formula. And it just worked and was using this since I was 14 years old. And obviously growing up and having social media, I was just getting a lot of attention for my hair and being someone who really, really does advocate for like girls. Like I'm a girl's girl. I support girls. And I just thought, you know what, there's other girls out there who probably don't have a mom or don't work because they don't have a grandma who can help them, you know, work out what the best thing to do is. And I just thought, you know what, like, let me just, let me sell this. And I'm kind of, I come from a very, very entrepreneurial family. My dad really is very, very good at that type of thing. So I knew I didn't want to start this kind of like this gun, which kind of, for those of you who don't speak Punjabi is, how would you describe that actually? Desi gun. Desi gun. Oh, right. Um, like maybe 
traditional work, typical work? Kind of like from the kitchen and not official. You know, I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted to do it proper, proper. Um, so I'm actually so grateful that I didn't go down that route of just like making the oil in my kitchen and selling it because first of all, that's illegal. Second of all, like that's not sustainable. Um, and I kind of started by looking at suppliers and, you know, getting the reporting of the lab test done for the formula, the packaging and whatnot, and establishing ourselves as a business and did that on my own. And, uh, a couple of months later, the business was established in its own right. And my dad said, all right, fine, I'll come on board. And, uh, that's when things really started to change. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's great. And um, good to see, you know, you, you built upon what you already had and, and used past experiences to influence that. And um, you, you touched upon your father there. And, you know, it's always important having mentors in business. Um, you know, I can see he's got a really strong background in business as well. How, how did that support you during your journey? So my dad's a very funny guy. So obviously having grown up, I, I, I just have a dad and a brother in my household. It's a very masculine household. It's a very do or die, sink or swim, throw you in at the deep end. I can't think of any more <laughs> metaphors, but that's what my house is like. And for my dad, he was like, everyone is going to think that I'm the one who done by Aram and you're just the one who's fronting it. So we need to make sure that you're the one who's done it. And I remember honestly, Garam, I was so upset so many times, like I needed his help. And he was just like, no, Aram, do it on your own, do it on your own. Only once I'd establish everything, prove to him that like, okay, people like it, people are buying it. We can go somewhere with this. He was like, all right, fine. You, you started it. You done all the groundwork. I'll come on board with you. And we work together every single day together, which is my favorite part of owning the business. I think. That's quality. No, it's, it's really good that he pushed you out there as well, because, you know, you're right, you, you've obviously built what you've got and um, fair, fair play to him. With your businesses, I was looking a lot at your YouTube channels and you give a lot of great advice on there. And I love that you talk about challenges and risks as well. You've got a video which speaks about the biggest mistakes you've made and, uh, you know, preparing for heartache. Can you give us examples of the real life challenges that go into having your own business, which people on the outside probably don't see? I think um, one of the things when you have your own business, it's very interesting to see that the people around you who are supporting you from your very first launch versus the people who are supporting you once you're established, once you've, you know, able to, to gift them free bottles and whatnot. Um, and that, that is very, very eye-opening as, as, as an entrepreneur. Um, but then obviously you have to take into context, you know, people's situations before they do decide to purchase from me. But I have to say those, that first, I think it was 250 people who bought from me on my first launch, that first 250 people who bought from me, like any names that I recognize, like I will live for, for the rest of my life. I will know that that person was there from the very first launch. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And, um, when you were launching it first, uh, you know, getting those 250 people on board, were you scared or nervous? How, how did that feel? My God, I think for the first, um, because what kept on happening for, for those of you who aren't aware of kind of like the Bayerum original business model was that we kept on launching, we kept on selling out. Now we are permanently in stock. Obviously from time to time, some of our SKUs go out of stock and then we kind of have like a little relaunch, but essentially we are permanently in stock. And that wasn't always the case. It was kind of like, um, you know how, what's that brand? Is it super dry? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They do the drops every Thursday. Okay. It was kind of like that and there's like a lot of hype built up around it and i just remember on the day of every kind of like drop say it was like once every three months because it takes ages to like get all of this in line like i did not take any supply chain modules at uni i wish i did because i know they had them available but i was like no i'm not gonna need to know that that's irrelevant <laughs> that's old school <laughs> yeah. um 
I just did not get my stuff in a line. So yeah, it, it took me a long time to relaunch each time. But on the day of it, oh my God, it was so terrifying. Like it just felt like nothing else in the world mattered than that restock. And I'd just be sat there like anxiety building. And I, I don't know why I always launch at six. It's kind of like my lucky time. And just remembering sitting there with my team at like 5.45 and I'd be like, okay, have we got the buttons right? Is the inventory going up? Is the website working? Like really, really scary. Yeah. No, it's nerve-wracking, but, uh, you know, um, practice makes perfect. So, you know, fair, fair play on that. And w- when, when we were speaking earlier, it's uh, clearly a topic that you're really passionate about. And it's something that I love as well, because, you know, my business is within the renewable sector. You spoke about sustainability and how that's really important and at the heart of your business. Can you talk to the audience a bit more about that and how you've incorporated into the, your own business by Erin? So... I listen you need to like future proof your business and obviously not only is it right for the world but like it's right for our consumers to do things that are sustainable that's something that is a growing growing interest of like the modern day consumer so especially having such a socially aware audience who are very kind of like they know about me because of social media most people who are on social media are probably aware of all of the issues to do with climate change and obviously renewable energy in your case recycling packaging all of that I couldn't leave myself open to any flaws. And as someone who really does, like I was in green club when I was at um, secondary school, I just really needed to make sure that the packaging was on point. So we have a glass bottle. Obviously this is completely recyclable. We have a paper sticker, which will obviously dissolve when recycled. So the glass bottle can, you know, fully go on its little path. The packaging is fully recycled and recyclable that it comes in, which is something that I'm so proud of. And it, it definitely is an evolution. And as I'm sure you can probably um, uh, identify with this as well, Karen, where you kind of start from one place. I was using bubble wrap at the beginning and that's probably not the most sustainable, but over time I managed to get, um, instead of bubble wrap lined envelopes, completely paper lined envelopes. And then instead of bubble wrap, I was using a recycled cardboard envelope, cardboard box. Yes. So it really is an evolution. And I'm very grateful that I have people around me who believe in that vision as well. Um, but how did you find it? Did you feel that you were the first kind of in your team to speak about sustainability or was it something that naturally came to you and everyone? So, so I actually fell into it. So I, I actually started recruitment about eight years ago within construction sector. And then okay. I joined a, a leading business which focused on energy. And I, I was just drawn to it. And my, uh, my managing director at the time, she was really passionate about sustainability, clean energy, renewable energy. So working in that market, it just grew. You're speaking to people in that business, wanting to make a difference. And in the past two, three years, I've seen a huge rise in social awareness, which you're talking about there yourself. More people are talking about it. You see like David Attenborough's um, documentary on Netflix. And it seems like everybody's now listening to that. And, you know, but having worked it for so many years, you know, it just becomes second nature. But, you know, it's great to see businesses are now catching on and you know start businesses like yourself see is so important as well it, it will definitely be the future yeah definitely we're actually um going to be in the the U- i think it's the e- europe's or the uk's first carbon neutral warehouse as oh, well which i'm super proud yeah oh that's that's quality no it's, again it's, it's great to see that that's catching on and more, more businesses are doing it so thanks for you know the part that you and your team are playing in that too and um Great to have a big background to um, your business and by Erin. Obviously, you're incredibly strong on social media, building yourself as an influencer. 
Can you talk to us about the importance of having that digital presence for businesses and what impact it's had on your own uh, company? I think um, a lot of businesses fail to recognise that social media is kind of contributing to your personality. And if you don't have a strong personality on social media, you might have the most beautiful photos, you might have the most aesthetic outfits and makeup and photography and backgrounds, but like that is so just everyone has that now like you need to level up as a brand and if you can have an edge to you like Fenty Beauty I would say Il Maquillage these are two makeup companies that I say have probably the strongest tone of voice in the entire industry and a lot of people will follow them just because it's such a relatable funny tone of voice and something that people haven't seen before and actually from my own experience working with Bayerum obviously Aram has a very strong tone of voice if we want to kind of commodify me like that but then by Aaron, that's something that myself and my team are actually really, really working on. And I think it started to evolve over time. Originally, we were very kind of like luxury, bougie, posh, um, formal. But we realized that a lot of people who buy by Aaron, and in answer to your question, are doing so because they enjoy the personality of me. There needs to be a greater kind of um, parallel between the two. So we started to edit the Bayerum tone of voice. So she's a lot more friendly, a lot more kind of girly. I'm quite a girly person, a bit more youthful. Um, and that seems to be really, really resonating with our audience. Wow, that's quality. And, um, you know, I think I mentioned it at the beginning of when, when we started speaking. I, I don't know anything about Instagram. <laughs> started using it. But seeing the influence it's having on businesses, like even like Post Malone, he, you know, launched um, that, um, you know, I think it's Mason 9 wine and it was the fastest selling wine in US history. And it okay. just comes from his social media background and the per- huge personality he's launched as an artist. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, again, you know, huge influence moving forward. Um, um, and just, just to break it down, could you talk us to us about the steps in which you took to build your following, which led to building your own business? Yeah, so for me, honestly, and I know a lot of influencers say this, but I really do mean it, Gurham. Like it was, it wasn't necessarily a mistake, but it wasn't something that I was aiming for. I was working at Cloud23, which is like um, a really bougie bar in Manchester. I was on the door and I was getting dressed up literally every single day. And I was living in Manchester. So I was just getting my roommate to take, my flatmate to take photos of me because I was like, "Ah, I look really cute. I'm wearing a dress. I got my makeup done as most people would, you know? And I think my personality is quite, maybe not my personality, but maybe I think my energy is quite strong in the sense that like, I really didn't have a mum or sisters. And I think that really kind of is quite evident in the energy that I give off. Like I love being around girls and talking about girly things and just like learning from my peers. And I think I magically attracted girls who had that same thing. They were looking for a sister. They were looking for that kind of like female, true companionship. And my page just started to grow like that. And it honestly, there was no concerted effort. I was just posting what I thought was pretty pictures and just being myself on my story. And it just started to compound, you know? And I think the strongest way to grow your following is through word of mouth. A lot of influencers and a lot of brands use, and it's not to say that these are bad tactics because once in a while I will do a giveaway, but consistently doing giveaways every single day, doing kind of like buying followers. Obviously I would never do that. Um, Spam commenting, all of these crazy things. And that's not sustainable. You need to invest in the existing audience you have. You need to make it a community because then they will, by word of mouth, as is evident by your introduction of me, share it with their friends and family. And then you will get a much more stronger recommendation when it's via word of mouth than when 
oh someone tied me in a giveaway oh I guess I'll follow her in the case I might with some makeup like that's not going to work invest in your existing audience focus on engagement and that will um secondhand lead to an increase in followers but that shouldn't be the that shouldn't be your first goal and you mentioned a word there community and hearing you speak on your own platforms you always talk about that community and you always use the term sisterhood and um, yeah, yeah could, could you elaborate on that and, and the sisterhood you've built with your following for sure i feel the south asian community needs a sisterhood um it's quite difficult so for instance i myself i'm actually i believe it's, it's called second generation like my parents were born here am i right mm. Yeah, so I'm second generation. A lot of my peers are first generation. So that means that there are certain issues that they might not be able to talk to their mum and dads about. But if you don't have sisters or siblings, who are you going to talk to about these things that are very, very relevant to the South Asian experience? You might have friends, but they might not be from the same place. For instance, myself, I grew up in a very, very non-Asian area. So I didn't have anyone to kind of like understand the problems that I was facing so I think there needs to be a sisterhood. And if, if I'm able to facilitate that, then that's fantastic. If there's other sisterhoods in the world available, like I just want that. I just want everyone to have someone. Love that. Just moving on to the next part. Um, you know, we, we asked our audience, we, we didn't mention who our guest is, but I gave a bit of a background. Some of them could probably work out who it was. What did you say? Um, so I said that we're speaking to a leading uh, influencer within, um, you know, uh, luxury and branding and uh, fashion and that you've recently launched a successful hair care. Uh, oh my God, okay. <laughs> so they probably- <laughs> So she's 5'5", five five, she has really yeah. long hair, she has black eyes, her name begins with E. <laughs> I should have just tagged you in it. Uh, you tag me. <laughs> yeah, we uh, put that up on Instagram and uh, my LinkedIn, and yeah, it's just to get our community a bit more involved. So we asked them for a few of their questions um, as part of the next one. Oh, cool. First question's from Serena Singh. Uh, this was through LinkedIn. What were your original goals when you first started your social media pages? To find sisters who yeah. could relate to me. And I was just like, ah, let's be friends. <laughs> Not really outwardly saying that, but like I think projecting that energy, just like, yo, what's your tips on shampooing? What's your, you know what I mean? Like I was just talking and people were speaking back to me, which is pretty cool. Wicked. And the second one is from Luik Deyasia. And this was from LinkedIn. What challenges have you faced during COVID-19 on your business? And how were these challenges overcome? I think shipping was really, really difficult. Um, obviously, Royal Mail and everyone went contactless. And that just meant that there was just a whole lot of people. People were just confused as to where their packages were, I think, as was the case for, I'm sure, every business was suffering with this um so yeah that was that was actually really really difficult and frustrating and the third question is from amina ali on instagram what are the most important steps to take when you're manufacturing and creating your product okay so you need to make sure that you have like ndas and contracts in place so no one can steal your formula or like share it with competitors, you need to make sure it's fully, fully legit, like lab tests, reporting, complete, signed off, everything. And thirdly, you wanna make sure that you're picking, um, like a manufacturer or a supplier or whatever it is that you're doing, that, that gets you. Because my one, they were very like supportive with the small quantities that I was ordering at the beginning. And obviously now things have changed. And I think that was a good gamble on their part to believe in me from the start. Um, so I'm lucky that they saw my vision. 
Love that. And um, just to follow on from that, before you set up your um, business and, you know, it was an idea at first, did you ever see yourself getting that detailed into the actual product creation? And how's that differed from what you first thought it would be like? So we had the formula already made um, and it was it was at that time a very grandma formula, like a spoon of this, a dash of this. And it kind of took me a while with the lab to kind of formalize it. 50 milliliters of this and 20 milliliters of this and 100 milliliters of this. And that kind of like, we had several iterations of the original formula um, that varied, honestly, maybe 1%, 2% of each oil um, to get the exact one that my grandma wasn't able to provide me, obviously, with the exact measurements. Um, but I had that formula down. So that wasn't, that wasn't an original issue for me. I think the bigger issue was kind of understanding like the rules around like within the EU and like the legalities in terms of selling a cosmetic product and da 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 da. But honestly, just do it by the book because you don't want to have like a black mark on your, on your history of your business where you have to like defend something that you said. Just do it by the book from the start. Now, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, um, you know, if anybody at home is starting their own business or you know, taking something that they've been doing and, you know, making it legit, people don't assume how important it is to look at tax, look at laws. They think they could just put it on and then, you know, you're going to be hit by like loads of bills and legal issues on the line. And fundamentally, when it's a cosmetic product, a consumer is applying that to their face or to their hair. If something goes wrong, you're getting sued. Like you need to make sure that like you have all your ducks in a row. You need to make sure that it's a safe product. That's bottom line. Safety is key. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's, that's so important. And you know, it's what differentiates the best companies from the cowboys, which don't, don't last long a few years. That honestly does frustrate me is when I see people making things in their kitchen and selling it. And I'm just like, that's not safe. Like, did, did you test that? Did you do the stability testing, the preservability, the perishability testing? Did you do all those tests to know that it's going to be okay if someone lives in a really hot country and it's being stored in a hot bathroom or if they live in like a really cold country? What is it like at freezing temperatures? Like, are you checking? Yeah. Because that's going on someone's face. And, and that, that's why I'll be using yours because I know where it's <laughs> <laughs> not- passionate about my safety testing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, it's not going to be somebody dropped from their garden or something. You don't know. People are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, moving on to the last part, it's, uh, you know, like we see in a lot of interviews, a quick fire round. So it can be answered between a word and a sentence. First question, what impact do you want to leave on the world? I want less girls to feel alone. Second, what is your why? My dad. Who is the biggest role model in your life? In a okay. sense, and why? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we know the answers to that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to impress my dad out here, guys. Help me. <laughs> Where will buy Erin be in 10 years' time? Um, it's 100% going to be in Harrods, Selfridges, Harvey Nicks. Um, we might have our own stores. Okay, no one's asked me about 10 years. They've asked me about this time next year, so I'm really, really just guessing. <laughs> um but I really really want to have like my own office and like my team can come there and I want it to be really nice and bougie and aesthetic I've got plans <laughs> yeah no I'm sure I'm sure you'll get there um but no that was wicked thanks ever so much again is there anything else you want to mention on that or any anything else to note 
No, I'm good. Just make sure to go check out Byerim, B-Y-E-R-I-M on Instagram. And then if you wanted to follow Little Eyed Me, it's uh, just Arim, E-R-I-M on Instagram. <laughs> well, uh, make sure we tag you in anything we put out so uh, our audience can follow and I'm sure they will. Um, thanks again for your time and to everybody listening. We look forward uh, to having you on the next episode. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.